Well, it's good to see you today. So thankful that you're here this morning. And I know some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, you're not Pastor Shane. You are so right. I am not Pastor Shane. Pastor Shane is in revival this week, today and tonight through Wednesday night. And so I get the wonderful privilege of preaching here at the 11 o'clock hour. Pastor Mark preached at 8.15, and Pastor Chris preached at 9.30. And I get to preach at 11 o'clock, and I'm so thankful that I'm going to get to do that. Let me remind you, church family, one of our dear, dear saints has gone to be with the Lord Jesus. Miss Phyllis Staples has, has passed away, and she's left this earth, and now she's going to be the place where she's dwelled to be for a long, long time. But just a reminder of a couple of things uh, her visitation will be tomorrow at 10 o'clock here at the church, and then at 11 o'clock will be the funeral. So just want to make you aware of that. We're trying to get that out to everyone. And so uh, if you're able to come at 10 o'clock and visit and then stay for the funeral, that would be wonderful. Well, if you have your Bibles, I pray you'll take them and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10 this morning. And I pray you'll keep your Bibles open as we'll need them as we journey along this morning. But uh, I want, if you're able to stand, uh, would you join me as we stand in reading God's Word together in honor of Him? Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You may be seated for prayer. Father, we pray today that the spiritual cripples that are in this place will leave whole because they've received you as Savior. Father, I pray we'll accept the responsibility that we need to become involved in the lives of those that are around us that are spiritual cripples. Lord, may your word be honored and glorified today, and may you be exalted, and may lives be changed forever. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. When you look at these passages of Scripture, I want to remind us this morning that Dr. Luke is writing from a physician's standpoint. Much of the words and terminology that you see here comes from a physician. And so as Dr. Luke is reminding us the book of Acts and what's the Acts of the Apostles through the power of the Holy Spirit is taking place, we see here that Peter and John are on their way to the temple. I find it very interesting that Peter and John are very different in many ways. For Peter, for example, he's boisterous. He's the one that's always sticking his foot in his mouth. And by the way, by the time he gets his right foot out, his left foot goes in. Amen and amen. Then you think about John. John is a thinker. He's kind of mystical in his mind if you think about it for a little bit. And so they're really two opposites by nature. But there's something that happens very uniquely when the Holy Spirit of God comes and he begins to knit lives and hearts together. 
Here we go. They were friends for sure because they were fishermen. But now they're in fellowship with one another because of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And so we see these men. The Bible says they're on their way going to the temple. They're there headed to the temple for a very important reason. We know that they're going there to pray. The Jews would go and they would go to the temple to pray three times a day. And the Bible says in particular at this time of day, it would be what we would consider 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going there to pray to the Spirit of the living God has come and filled their lives, and they want to go worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But on this encounter as they're going there, I find three things very interesting. The first thing is they're on their way to the temple they find is a troubling man. There is a troubling man who has been laid at the gate of the temple every day. The Bible says he's been laid there daily in Acts chapter 3, verse 2. Even from his birth, he's been laying there. If you want to know how long he's been laying there, the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 22, that the man is over 40 years of age. So this man has been laying there at the gate of the temple. He has been going there for one particular reason. He is going there because he is a troubling man. And the reason he's troubling, number one, is because of his physical condition. You see, he is unable to walk. He was that way born at birth. He was what we would know today as a congenital birth defect. He has not been able to walk. This week I've been able to go to a couple of hospitals in our area, Choa, uh, for example, to see some of the family members in our church here who have had surgery. And while I was going up the elevator, there was a little baby, really not a little baby, probably three to four years old. Mother had him in a little wagon. If you've ever been to Choa, you know what I'm talking about there. The baby, that boy was in that wagon. The mother was pulling him along. And I thought to myself in my mind, he's big enough to be walking. And there's no way I'd pull that little boy in that wagon be his mind. He'd be walking alone. But I got in the elevator and began to talk to the lady for just a moment. And I asked her, I said, so why are you here? She said, well, we're here to see about some surgery. This is my little son, and he's never been able to walk. He was born that way. And I was just thinking that there's a congenital birth defect. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you back then, they don't have the doctors like we have doctors today, amen? They don't have hospitals like we have now. But here is a man, he is a troubling man because he's been lame from his birth for over 40 years. Now, can you just imagine about this, what this would mean to a parent? As a parent, how would it be to see that little baby begin to walk? If you're a parent, many of you mamas and dads wanted to be the very first one to see their children walk. We have several little grandchildren. I have one that's eight months old, and now she's, she's doing what I call the army man crawl, brother. She can lay down and take that one foot on her belly, and she can push her foot along. And so I picked her up yesterday, and I looked at her, and I said, Sweetheart, why don't you just turn loose a pappy, and let's just walk. I want to be the very first one to see you walk. Well, she turned loose, and down to the ground she went. But can you imagine as a parent not seeing your child begin to walk? And can you imagine as a little child not being able to walk? What about when the little child would get a little older and maybe begin to run and maybe begin to play chase? Or like my little grandkids do, they want Pappy to hide in the hall closet so they can always come and find me. What about parents can't do that? He's a troubling man. He's a troubling man as his child. And what about as a youth? Would that not be troubling? What about if he had the desire to play ball and all he could do was look out the window and see others doing what he wanted to do? Oh, I'm telling you, he's a troubling man. His physical condition is troubling as a boy. His physical condition is troubling as a young man. But what about as a man? How would it be to be a man and not be able to provide for yourself? 
How would it be for a man then not able to get up and go get a job? I mean, how in the world would this man be able to take care of himself? The only way this man could take care of himself was to beg. And so day after day, day after day, someone would pick up this man and carry him and lay him at the temple so he can beg. Can you hear him begging? Alms for the poor. Alms for the poor. And maybe someone would come along and they'd take a coin or two and they'd drop it in a little can. And so this man was a very troubling man because of his physical condition. But this man is a very troubling man because of his spiritual condition. This man's physical condition is a cameo picture of every person's spiritual condition outside of Jesus Christ. Do you all know that we're all born spiritual cripples? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are born with a sin nature. I mean, I'm telling you by nature, we're sinners. For example, have you ever had to teach a child to be mischievous? Parents, have you ever had to teach a child uh, to get into things and do things they shouldn't do? Oh, no. They'll just naturally do that. By nature, we're sinners, and we're also sinners by choice. But for all that sin to come short of the glory of God. So this man's physical condition is a reminder of our spiritual condition outside of Jesus Christ. You see, we're all born lame before God. We're all in need of a Savior. We all have a problem, and the culprit is sin. Amen? And so his physical condition is alarming. This man's spiritual condition is alarming. But his persistent is alarming as well. I'm telling you, this is a troubling man. He is in a lot of trouble. And I want you to think about it, if you will, for just a moment. Here is a man who is a life that is lame, but yet he is laid at a gate that is very beautiful. Have you ever seen such a contrast in all your life? I mean, here is a gate that is 65 by 70. It is made of Corinthian brass. It is plated with gold leaf. And yet here is a man laying there who is a cripple. This gate is a symbol of wealth. This cripple is a symbol of woe. This gate is a symbol of loveliness, but yet this man is a symbol of lameness. I'm telling you, there is a contrast right here. This spiritual cripple, I'm telling you, does not shine light on that gate of beauty. It shines light on that of woe. And I'm here to tell you, men and women sitting here today, that this man is alarming, and the spiritual cripples that are around us are mine and your responsibility. They are our responsibility. This past week, uh, on Tuesday, matter of fact, it was one of the hottest days of the year, if you'll remember. And on that day, as I was on my way home, as I came across the hill where I live, going down the road I live on, there was a man who was walking up on the side that my driveway was on. And when I got close to my driveway, I saw him. He bent over and he grabbed his knees because he was sweating so, and he was really, I thought he was about to pass out. And I pulled, as I pulled in my driveway, I rolled down the window, and I said, sir, are you okay? He said, no, I'm not okay at all. I said, is there something I can do to help you? He said, well, I have run out of gas, I, and my children are down the road here sitting in the car. Y'all know how hot it was. And he said, I don't know what to do. I said, well, how about you just do this? You get in my car. We'll go see if I have some gasoline here. I went into the uh, garage there. I found a little gasoline. He went back to his car, and we put the gas in. His three children were sitting there. They were hot, and the, the car wouldn't crank. I didn't have enough. So I got in the car, and he got back in the car with me, and we started up to the little grocery store on the corner up there where I live. And as we started up the road, here's what this man said. I'll never forget it as long as I live. He said, Mr., 
He said, I don't know why, why I'm about to tell you what I'm going to tell you, but my life is a mess. My life is ruined and it's wrecked. And he said, I don't know you. And he said, I don't even know why I'm telling you that. He said, but do you know anyone that could help me? Danny Dean, we're almost up at Dry Pond Store. And when that man said that, I said, well, sir, all I know to tell you is this. When I was 27 years old, my life was ruined and wrecked. And someone introduced me to Jesus Christ. And he changed me forever. Jody, we pulled up right there. Dr. Goodrow was about to go into that awning right there with tears rolling down his face. That man looked at me and he said, do you think you could help me find Jesus like Jesus found you? Right question to the right man. <laughs> we sat there under that awning waiting for that car to move. And I shared with him how Jesus Christ specialized in spiritual cripples. And how he could take an old spiritual cripple like me and put my life back together. He could do it for him. And I shared with him that if he would confess with his mouth that Jesus Christ was Lord and believe in his heart he was raised from the dead, that he could be saved. He said, oh, you don't have to convince me I'm a sinner. He said, oh, I know I'm a sinner. He said, I just wonder, well, could Jesus ever accept me? I said, dear friend, God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. I said, if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved right now. He said, mister, you mean that if I'll cry out from my heart that Jesus Christ will forgive me and come into my heart and change me? Dear friend, I'm here to testify to you that he changed me and he changed him. That man bowed his heart and soon Christ came into his life. Spiritual cripples are our responsibility. Everywhere we go, there's spiritual cripples. Not long ago, uh, I've been, uh, there's a certain coffee I like. There's a certain brand. And I'll go ahead and tell you, it's not the one you probably think it is that everybody goes to. Matter of fact, the coffee shop that I want to go to has got them round uh, cakes that have holes in them. I call them fat pills. Bless God, you eat up enough of them and you'll know what quick one I'm talking about. How many can give a witness to that this morning and say amen? Yeah. You can do that, okay. Well, I've been going by this one store up there, and Pastor Mark will tell you this to be true, and Pastor Nate's sitting here, and they'll agree with, uh, you, you, you see, God had laid on my heart, there's a spiritual cripple in that place. I spent over $110 buying coffee, and probably about $40 buying donuts just so I could go in that store and have an opportunity to talk to this spiritual cripple. Monday was a week ago. Pastor Chris and I had gone to make a, wit a visit, and there was another spiritual cripple I wanted to go see, and, and, the, and the man wasn't there. And so I looked at Chris. I said, Chris, do you think we could go back over there? He said, we've already been over there one time, preacher. You've already left there at lunch, went over there, and had you a cup of coffee and talked to that man. I said, well, I just feel like I just need to go back. Could we just go back? Walked in there and found his boss. I said, sir, this may not mean nothing to you, but God has sent us back over here to talk to this young man over here. Would it be okay if I talked with him? He said, yeah. He said, I'll take care of the cash register and the drive-thru. He said, he's all yours. And I'm here to tell you, we begin to share the gospel with that man, spiritual cripple, and somebody would come up and he'd have to do a little something. We'd back up out of the way and he'd say, come back, I want to hear more. Three times that man said, would you come back? I want to hear more. 
And after the third time, I'm telling you, that young man gave his life to Jesus Christ and he got saved. He said, David, why are you telling me that? Because here's the problem. He said, I grew up in church. He said, I was very religious. He said, but I'm telling you, I don't know, do not know Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. He said, I've been through confirmation. He said, I know the Ten Commandments, but I don't know Jesus. Bless God, I'm telling you, he walked away that day knowing the Savior. Spiritual cripples. This man was a troubling man. And not only do we see in this narrative a troubling man, we also see a truthful message. Notice the truthful message that begins to take place. If you look in verse 4, notice it says, uh, in verse 3, let's look back, who seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked for the alms. The man is begging for alms. And then in verse 4, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you something. There's an appeal in this message. This truthful message has a wonderful appeal. He said, look on us. Here's my question. Can people today, when they look on us, can they see the Lord Jesus Christ in you and in me? He said, you and I many times are only Jesus than anybody will ever see. And my question is, when we go to the grocery store, we go to the donut shop, we go to the gas station, I mean, wherever we go, do people, when they look on us, can they see Jesus Christ on us? And all of a sudden, there's Peter, there's an appeal. He says, look on us. I'm telling you, I pray in the name of Jesus that when you and I look at people, we see them as people who Jesus died, who Jesus loves, and Jesus was resurrected from the dead for, amen, that his grace is sufficient for them just like it is for you and just like it is for me. And so in this message, he looked at him and he said, look on us. Now, I want you to notice what takes place here in verse 5. So he gave them his attention expecting, and I would, I would underline that word right there, to receive something from them. I'm telling you, there's an anticipation of expectation when he said, look on us. Say something. That man had a right to expect something from Peter and John. Do you know this lost world has a right to look on us with expectation because we have the words of life, amen? amen. There's an expectation. And by the way, you know, when, 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 when people are expecting, some great things can take place. Did you know that? For example, every woman in here knows that you'll never have a baby until you're expecting. I mean, that's just the truth of the matter. I, I mean, I've been at the hospitals this week. We, we've had two dear mothers give birth to two dear babies. And, 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 and I don't know what's going on in Kyle Moore's class. They're having Sunday school right now. But all those ladies down there in that class are getting pregnant for some reason. <laughs> expecting. This man was expecting. Now, you and I know what he was expecting. His expectation was that when Peter and John fixed their eyes on him, he said, look on us, they thought that they were going to give him a coin or two. That's what people think. You see, he thought his need could be met with a coin or two. Now, we all know that another coin or two might buy another piece of bread, but it's not going to meet the deep needs of his life. You see, what he really needed was more than that, amen? And I love what Peter does here. In this truthful message that he begins to share, I'm telling you, there's such and an appeal to it when he says, look on us. And then all of a sudden, this man is expecting something. I want you to notice what he says. In verse 6, notice what Peter does. Peter then said to him, silver and gold, I do not have. I want to just stop right there. Peter might have disappointed that man. And some people say when Peter said silver and gold, I do not have, thought he was apologizing. 
I got news for you. Peter wasn't apologizing for what he didn't have. He was fixing to be bragging on what he did have. Amen? He said, silver and gold, have I not? But such as I have, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to give it to you. Amen? Woo! I'm telling you, that's good. Because here's what I know. Silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have is Jesus Christ. Amen? And I'm telling you, he can't lead me, but he can use you and I to be involved in the life change of others. I love what Peter and John did. They didn't give him what he thought he needed. Hey, listen, when you're inspecting something, he, got, he didn't get what he was expecting. He got more than what he expected. And Jesus always does that. Notice what he does here. His, he accepted him. And by the way, I want you to notice that Jesus Christ accepts every person. You may be sitting here today and you say, there's no way. You just don't know what my life is all about. You just don't know what all I've been through. You're right, I don't. But my Bible tells me the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses all sin. There's nothing that you've ever done or you ever will do that Jesus Christ will not forgive you. And I want you to notice that this truthful message had an appeal. It had an anticipation of expectation. And there was an acceptance there. So we see that there's a troubling man. We see that Peter and John have a truthful message. But I want you to notice, thirdly, a transforming miracle. Look at the miracle that is about to take place. Notice in verse 7, he said in verse 6, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now I want you to notice what he does in verse 7. And in, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now watch this. Peter's hand in his arm was a conduit. We know that the power to save this man and to change this man came from God. Amen? And so as he reached down and took him by his hand, the power of God that was in Peter through the Holy Spirit of God flowed through him into that man, and immediately the Bible says he received strength in his ankle bones. Now I want to tell you something. I like that word there, receive strength. It is a medical term. It means that all of a sudden that the ankle and the foot received strength and they were put back together. Can you just hear it go pop? Can you just hear all imagine your sanctified imagination? That thing coming back together and pop. I'm telling you, that man had felt something he had never experienced in all his life. He was a man for 40 years old that had been lame ever since he was born. All he knew to do was beg, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. But all of a sudden, we see the cure. The hand was Peter, but the cure came from the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, we've got the cure for every sin sick soul. It's in the name of Jesus Christ. And when you and I will reach out our hands, we'll become involved in the life of people. Listen, folks, people are not saved by a program. They're saved by the person of Jesus Christ. And when you and I are ready to, to no longer be selfish, but to become involved and invest in the lives of others, then we can see spiritual cripples transformed by the power of God. Listen, the cure wasn't in religion. The cure was not found in money. The cure was not found in wishing. The cure was not found in education. The cure was not found in culture. The cure was found in Christ and Christ alone. And I'm telling you right now, there is a transforming miracle. The cure is in Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice the change. I want you to notice the change. It says in verse 8, what begins to take place? So he took him in verse 7 by the hand. Immediately the feet and the ankle bones received strength. 
And so in verse 8, so he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. The first thing I want you to notice about this change is that it was, it was immediate. It was immediate. It was supernatural. It occurred all of a sudden. Can I just say something about a birth? It's immediate, amen? When it takes place and it occurs, it is on right then. It's immediate. And so we see him taken into the temple. He, as the Bible says, he leaped up, he stood, and he walked, and he entered with the temple. What he's, hey, what's he doing in the temple? You know, some people think a sanctuary is a place where you're supposed to be quiet. No, that's a morgue, man. God. I want you to know, in a sanctuary, it's okay to praise God. The Bible says you can get a little happy. Listen, I was sitting over here a while ago, and I was shouting, and I got elbowed in the side. I thought to myself, well, I'm shouting because I can't sing, but I'm happy, amen? He's happy. He goes into the temple. It's immediate, and it's eternal. You know what happens when you get spiritually made whole? Let me tell you the first place you're going to want to go, to the house of God, amen? You're going to want to go to the place where Jesus is and those that love Jesus, amen? I mean, it's, it's amazing what God can do. Now, watch this. I want you to lose your, use your sanctified imagination with me just for a moment. Here is a troubling man, very troubling when they come upon him because of his physical condition, because of his spiritual condition. I'm telling you right now, because of his persistence begging for alms. But all of a sudden, here comes Peter and John. They've got a truthful message, and they begin to share that message with this troubling man I'm telling you how Jesus Christ can change his life. Then there is an a absolutely transforming miracle, and he's changed forever. Now watch this. Here's how I see this kind of happening. Now, I know what some of you are going to be thinking. Well, David, we just kind of know how you are already, but this is the way I, I think it might have happened. Can you see Peter reaching down and taking him by the hand? And he says, Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have I give unto thee. And he reaches down and he takes him by the hand. The man gets up and the Bible says immediately he receives pop, that strength fell in him. And he says, you know what? I've never done this before. And then he begins to walk a little bit. He said, you know what? I've never done this before. And then he gets happy. He said, I've been seeing people run and wishing I could run. I want, could I run just a little bit? And so the Bible says he gets up and he goes running and leaping into the temple. Can I get a witness? Amen. He didn't come in all bent over with a frown on his face. Hello. He was awake because there was joy of the Lord. Amen. And so he comes in there and he's running and he's leaping and he's praising God. And all of a sudden, some old backslidden Baptist sitting on the back row one Sunday morning when that happened said, Oh, look at this man running in here. He is disturbing our dignified service. Look at that emotionalism that he's got. Dear friend, can I just remind some of us, some of us that think we're so dignified are actually petrified. Because I'll tell you, if you had been lame for 40 years and the Spirit of the living God came in you and you could get up and do something you would never been able to do, I'm telling you, you would have been running and leaping and praising God in the temple too, Amen. Spiritual cripples want to praise the Savior that saved them. 
I bet you every time that man would go by that temple, he'd say, Brother Mark, they used to bring me right there is where I used to lay. Right there is where I used to beg every day. But one day, two men shared a truthful message with me. And a transforming miracle took place because of Jesus Christ. And no longer am I a cripple. No longer do I have to beg. Now I can go tell others about Jesus Christ. Let me ask you today. Sir, have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? If you're not, you're a spiritual cripple. You may have everything seemingly okay in this world, but be reminded there's a world to come. The Bible says, appointed unto man once to die, and after this comes judgment. Ma'am, are you a spiritual cripple? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Are you like the man that was at my driveway, there at my gate. You like the man over there in the donut shop that said that uh, his life was ruined and wrecked as well, that religion couldn't satisfy. There was an emptiness that could never be filled. My friend, I'm here to tell you today, the only way that you'll ever be made whole is to turn from your sin and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want to give you that opportunity today. You say, David, the same power that reached down and healed this lame man spiritually is available today. It sure is. You mean my life could be changed forever? It sure can. You say, David, how in the world would God want to do that? And why would he want to do that? Because I don't even accept myself. Why would it, God accept me? Can I just say something, friend? You're already accepted. When he shed his blood on Calvary, he proved then he accepts you. So the question is not whether he accepts you. The question is today, will you accept him? Can I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Sitting here today, maybe you've never received Christ as Savior. Maybe you're just like that man at my gate. Sir, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. My life is ruined and wrecked. I don't know why I'm telling you. I don't know why I'm talking to you. Dear friend, you came in today wondering, is there any way I could get rid of the guilt that haunts me? Is there any way that I can be forgiven? Is there any way I can have a brand new life? My friend, the Bible says, he who has a son of God has life. And he who does not have the son of God does not have life. Today, you can choose to have life and have it to the fullest by choosing to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Could I help you do that this morning? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved from your heart to God's heart if you'll call upon the name of the Lord according to Romans 10 13 you will be saved you no longer have to be a spiritual cripple you can walk out of here being whole in Christ so from your heart to God's heart would you cry out and say something like this dear Jesus I confess I'm a sinner 
And I believe in my heart that you died on the cross at Calvary and you were raised from the dead three days later. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and come into my heart and save me. Save me, Lord Jesus.